episode of recovery friends podcast how about you not do that to the mic while i'm doing the preamble man <laughs> all right uh so in this podcast people come on and they uh, people who are in active recovery from addiction and share their unique experience in the hope that listeners still in active addiction can identify with their stories and find hope for their own recovery we are not affiliated or do we speak for any 12-step program or any other addiction or recovery based entity the words spoken here express the experience of our guests and not the opinion of their chosen path to recovery all right and i just you're smacking really hard into the mic it's that tea <laughs> what like, kind of tea is I'm that again just, i'm realizing i'm realizing i didn't give you any advice before the podcast no, before we started but the one piece of advice i did give you was don't smack and you're sm- and you're smacking. <laughs> All right, no. So basically, I guess I'll just give it to you live on mic. Um, what do we say? Thirty, forty-five minutes. What it was like. We'll take a break. Thirty, forty-five minutes of sick recovery. Yes. I mean, not sick. No, sick. <laughs> you said the right words. <laughs> not sick recovery, which it wouldn't be recovery, right? Uh, but uh, no, sick in a good way. Yeah, the good sick. <laughs> Honestly, I thought I'd be um, a natural with the mic in front of me. But you're feeling a little. I need, I need practice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not ready for the stand up. Yeah, no. The thing what happens is, is once it's recording, you get self conscious. It's just it's a natural thing, unless you're feeling hella confident. And I'm just. I'm certainly gonna act like I feel confident. Oh yeah, that voice. Yeah. You went deeper. Went like deeper. <laughs> You'll see a lot of different voices throughout this. When I notice I'm not talking as deep as I'd like, I'll go deeper. All right. I'll let you know. I'll be like, eee. Okay. I'll just do this. <laughs> and just throw in some baritone. All right. Uh so my friend today, my recovery friend <laughs> My recovery hey, my friend, friend today is Matt. Uh and uh Matt and I have known each other since uh, I got sober, and uh, and it's been almost uh, seven years, eight longer than seven years, seven and a half years almost. We've known each other, and we we are good friends, my friend. <laughs> everybody on here is my good friend, and I'm I'm sure people are getting tired of me saying that everybody on here is my good friend or even commenting on the fact because i feel like i have to comment on it every well, time i know we're good friends so it's all good yeah we're best friends best friends <laughs> <laughs> all right uh so what's going on with you bro uh thank you my friend for having <laughs> me here first of all it means a lot to me to finally be asked on this show yeah you know, podcasting <laughs> uh so just start out huh yeah just tell us what's going on all with right. uh yeah yeah i uh you know i remember I was born in the 80s, mid-80s, so, uh, you know, I remember growing up, and one of the first things I remember is Indiana Jones, because Indiana Jones is awesome, still mm-hmm. is, you know, and I, and I remember I'd watch that movie, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, the first Indiana Jones <laughs> all the time, right? <laughs> and I remember now, in the, and this sticks out to me, because in the very opening scene of that movie, they're in this Nepal, like, lodge, uh-huh. You know, and, and they're drinking. This woman, she's the heroine, Marion, is drinking this other guy, this big 
Napoleon looking guy and they're doing shot for shot and she ends up drinking him under the table. Uh-huh. That's the first Indiana Jones. It's the first scene in the first Indiana Jones. And okay. now I remember as a child seeing that movie and seeing that scene and being like already in my head like that looks awesome what they're doing. You know, by so the, at this time, shot. right, I never had it. I'd never drank anything at this time, but I remember thinking, I can't wait to do that. Uh-huh. I can't wait, you know, to drink somebody under the table. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to go so, shot for shot with somebody and then get in a gunfight. But, you know, it didn't happen. Come like on, that, come on. So she, the, the woman's drinking mm-hmm. and then the guy that looks like Napoleon. No, he was a Napoleon. Is that the right word for plural? He was from Nepal. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> a gentleman from Nepal. <laughs> I was like Napoleon. No. I don't remember that at all. Oh, uh, yeah. No, so what happened? He did he collapse under he the table? He ends up just like he was about to take a yeah, he pretty much he just collapsed. He just like went limp under and she, the table. Right. So the is that the saying? You drink somebody under the table? Is that where it came from? Probably not. But <laughs> I can see where that yeah, that's probably what they did. That's why they did it like that. You know, okay. Spielberg's a genius. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's the uh, air compressor. All right, we're good. <laughs> it might go off one more time. All right. So, so, so you remember seeing at that? At a young age, I had a fascination with alcohol. Okay. You know, I had a, a fantasy, I guess you could say, about alcohol. Right? <laughs> and, uh, you know, I remember the, uh, the first shot I ever took, I took it just like that. That they, they would take the shot and they would turn the glass upside down and kind of slam it on the table. Uh-huh. And that was it. It was just that shot. I didn't get drunk this time, but it was about... I don't know, nine or ten, but I remember like the warm sensation, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, and you know that that fantasy I had of alcohol, it did not disappoint at first. You know, the first time I got drunk, um, you know, it, I was sixteen, I was in high school, so I was awkward. Uh, there was a high school dance we were attending, and I remember like. Just coming, you know, this is going to be the night. This is going to be the night I get drunk for the first time. And so I stole some Smirnoff vodka from my parents, you know, mm-hmm. put it in a water bottle. And, uh, you know, on the way to this dance, I proceeded to drink it. Um, there's a lot I don't remember mm-hmm. during my drinking days, but I do remember this night pretty clearly, um, you know, because it was an amazing experience, right? So I get drunk before the dance. I get to the dance. And, you know, for the first time in my life, I could dance, right? You know, for the first, and more importantly, though. No, so actually, well, maybe not that. dance well. For the first right? time in your <laughs> life, you forgot you couldn't dance. Right. For the first time in my life, I forgot I couldn't dance. But no, more importantly, though, <laughs> let's put it this way. For the first time in my life, I could dance without caring that people saw. Yeah. All right. Yeah. You know, and, and to kind of like expound on that a little bit as a child at growing up I remember feeling a lot really insecure which I'm sure a lot of children do but you know I remember like at a young age having conversations with people and I'd be thinking about what they were thinking about me right you know I'd already be thinking that you know uh, if you know like if I was in junior high and we had summer break and I'd come back from summer break and I hadn't seen some of my friends all summer like we'd get back and I'd be all weird at first like oh man oh, should I talk to him I haven't seen him all they summer all like, of a sudden got cooler. I'm gonna let them I'm gonna let them make the first move you know like I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to act in those situations yeah. right it just felt awkward for me it was almost overwhelming and you know same thing with like relatives I haven't seen in a while you know and I'm still like that sometimes like I'll see an uncle I hadn't seen in a while like oh what's up uncle <laughs> you know like oh no, no, uncle <laughs> like like it's weird yeah it's like the feeling like if you don't see them for a while, all of a sudden, like they changed and they became somebody that's like completely 
cooler than you. Maybe, or it's more like I have to act like I've gotten cooler also, right? Yeah. So then there's all that pressure, and it's like, oh, I gotta, oh, yeah. I don't know what to do. <laughs> you know, so I was a very awkward kid uh, on the inside, you know, always uh, concerned about what people thought, you know? So, so when I say this night was magical, like, that's, that's what it was, you know? Uh, and, and you hear it a lot, you know, like, I, I thought in that moment that night, like, I'd found my solution to life. Mm-hmm. to like you know get it i thought alcohol made me be the person i was supposed to be right you know i thought it, it gave me you know this it was like this elixir that when i take it right i become who i imagined i should be kind of thing right mm-hmm. you know and uh i mean we'll get there you know in the end you know that was obviously not the case but you know that's what i thought at first and, th- and that's how i proceeded to use it you know um it, it didn't start out as an everyday type thing. I'm going to go ahead and start the timer. Okay. Let's assume we're 10 minutes in. <laughs> so 35 more minutes? Uh, I mean, 30. Yeah, like I said, you don't have to go a full 45. You know, if you, mm-hmm. can, you can stop at 30. We'll see where we go. Yeah. You know, so uh, it didn't start out as an everyday type thing. Um, you know, in high school, you know, by my senior year, I'm 18, you know, it, it, it definitely got to be a every weekend thing, you mm-hmm. know, and, and it got to be a thing to where... I'd be looking forward to it all week long, you know, couldn't wait for the weekend. You know, the weekend was always good when you were a kid in school because you had the weekend off, but now it became even more important because that was my time to be me, right? Mm. You know, and, and, you know, I like to say this story, and now I didn't notice this till years, until I got sober, but like I played sports in high school, I played football, and uh, it was our last game of the season my senior year, and we have to win in order to make the playoffs, right? So if we lose, that's it, you know, no more football for me ever. You know, and I remember praying, you know, before the game to God that we would lose, <laughs> right? Because I no longer wanted to do that on Friday yeah. nights. Like, it was interfering with my drinking, yeah. right? You know, and... I could see that being a scene in a movie where, like, the nerd is just ready for the season to be over. <laughs> and it's just like, God, please. Well, you know, the nerd or, the, like, the popular guy, I mean, whatever, that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> whatever. I wasn't in... I was, <laughs> I wasn't. I wasn't like, like suggesting you were a nerd. Oh, but you know, I'm right. saying it looks like it. It sounds familiar, like like some '80s movie. In the in, and the nerds like, I'm ready to be done with it, and he's just praying before the game. It would be a funny scene. I'm just saying. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, and uh, and we ended up losing that game. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't. Wow. I didn't cause the loss. Your but, God, uh, your God is powerful. <laughs> You know, and I remember, (laughs) yes, indeed, indeed. But, uh, you know, I remember all my friends, people I grew up with, you know, uh, being very upset, you know, after I was in the locker. And I just remember, you know, I had a case of beer in the car. And, you know, I... (laughs) And weed? (laughs) Did you have weed That's a funny story. No, I did not. (laughs) One time I did, though. (laughs) On one occasion. One time when you told the story, you did. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I I, I embellished a little bit that time. And you called me on it, like friends do. It was funny. Yeah, yeah, it was funny. (laughs) It was just a case of beer. We're going to leave it at that. And no weed. (laughs) No weed. (laughs) It's some weed. (laughs) So, you know, I was ready to get going, you know, and, and you know, that kind of shows me, you know, it, in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, that's fine. you know, there's a, there's a chapter in the beginning called the doctor's opinion. And, uh, you know, in this chapter, this doctor, you know, talks about what happens when people like me you know, drink alcohol, you know, and what he talks about is a phenomenon of craving that develops in people like me. Right. And, 
Now, looking back on it then, like I said, it wasn't an everyday thing quite yet. But at the same time, you know, I can see where that craving started to develop, right? Instead of wanting to do normal things with my friends, all I really started wanting to do was drink. Mm-hmm. You know, and and that would it seemed quicker rather than later turn into a to quite an ordeal. You know, uh, after you know high school, I remember I went to college, and I remember thinking like I can't wait. You know, and I really it was like I was going to get out of town. I was going to be away from my parents for the first time. You know, I uh, but really it was just the drinking that I was really looking forward to. You know, I, I thought college would allow me to drink the way I wanted to drink. And it turns out I was right. You know, I remember that. And I, I roomed a uh, freshman dorm. I roomed with my brother. I'd have a twin brother. You know, looks nothing like me. We're identical. We don't act anything alike. Well, He's not, you guys are the same person. He's no. not an alcoholic. <laughs> you know, uh, he, he was my roommate that freshman year. And, uh, you know, I remember the very first night. And he kind of knows how I am. Mean, the very first night we went out. Um, you know, he said, you know, maybe take it easy tonight. And yeah, man, it's the first night. I'll be fine. Just a couple of beers. Um, I ended up blacking out that night. Don't remember much. I remember him trying to carry me back to the dorms at one point. Uh, you know, I woke up the next morning and all the sheets are off my bed and I'm just like laying on a, like a bed and I was like, dude, what, why'd you take all my sheets off my bed? He goes, dude, you threw up all over that last night, you know? And, and, and I guess in the freshman dorm word gets around. Right. So I remember being in like the, the laundry room, like trying to shove my sheets into it, the, my vomit covered sheets. And somebody that <laughs> comes in, somebody I'd met, he kind of came in, Hey, you heard about the guy that threw up all over his sheets? Uh, and I laughed. I was like, yeah, <laughs> that dude. <a> loser. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> you know, as I'm shoving my sheets into the washing machine, you know, so, so college right away, you know, just proved to me that I would be able to drink the way I wanted to drink. And, and that's what I proceeded to do. Um, you know, I, uh, I managed to stay, I don't know how I managed to stay in college as long as I did. Um, you know, uh, there were a couple semesters where I made decent enough grades, you know, to, to, to get through. But, uh, you know, for the most part, it consisted of me staying out all night, um, you know, waking up well past the classes, you know, and then it eventually got to where, you know, sorry, <laughs> right, you do what you gotta do. We're just, you know, adjust, it, we're it, just adjusting mics. Yeah, and it eventually got to where I was taking shots before class, you know, and when that happened, you know, that was it. You know, um, I often marvel at people who, who, who can go through their alcoholism actively and finish college. You know, that's amazing that to me. me. It's amazing. Me you know, away. it's great. I mean, it's good. You know, but it, it amazes me, you know, they're able to do that, you know, because that was not my, ex- I couldn't, you know, I just, uh, I just, you know, I, I couldn't, you know, um, any relationship I remember having, like anytime I was dating a girl, it would always just consist, like our whole relationship revolved around being at the bar, right? If she wanted to do something or something, you know, it was like, eh, you know, why don't we just go to the bar? You know, that, that's, that is what I knew. That's what I learned. Or that's, that was pretty much my whole experience when dating, you know, it was just the bar, going to the bar with my friend. She could tag along if she wanted type deal, you know, yeah. uh, not a really good boyfriend, uh, not very considerate. Um, didn't really have a relationship that lo- lasted longer than a couple months tops, you know, because of that. Um, you know, so, uh, like I said, you know, eventually my grades got bad enough to where I was, I had to leave. Uh, I came back home. And uh, that was awful, um, coming back home. You know, uh, it was, well, you know, it was, you know, maybe I guess it was because, you know, I was embarrassed because I, I, I couldn't finish school or, you know, it was like mm-hmm. always my, everyone else's dream for me type thing, uh, yeah. you know. But, uh, you know, and also it was just kind of like, 
you know, what am I going to like, what am I going to do now? And you know, how am I going to drink now the way I want to drink kind of thing? Yeah. You know, and, and it Cause turned, you moved back in with your parents. Right. That's yeah. what I did. You know, responsible. You know, but, but, uh, <laughs> so I moved back in with them and, uh, really, honestly, that didn't really change much of my drinking. You know, uh, this is like the era I like to call where I was kind of in and out of jobs. Um, you know, I'd have a job working at a restaurant or something like that. And I would pretty much have the job up until they figured out who I was. Right. Because there'd always be that one time where I could not get by without getting a little too drunk at work. Right. Because, I mean, I was always going to be drinking. I'd drink before work, drink a little during work. But there always be that time I had a little too much. They'd get suspicious and they'd confront me. Yeah. And, you know, and I, how old were you here? Mm, I was just to say I was about 20, about you know, 20. Uh, so I was right around that 21 era, like it's t- right around when I turned 21, you know, I often, sometimes I'll hear, I heard somebody ask a question the other day and it was, when do you think you cross that point of no return? Mm-hmm. Now, was I maybe doomed from the beginning? I don't know, you know, and maybe it doesn't really matter, but I, I'd like to think that that point of no return was the day I turned 21. Yeah. You know, like that was it. It was an everyday type thing from that point forward. Because now I could easily get it. Mm-hmm. No worries, nothing, you know. And, and so, like, it was about that time when this happened. And, uh, you know, I'd have a job until I got caught. They'd send me home. And, you know, I, I acted like a nice guy. So, you know, they'd always say, you know, go home, you know, come back, you know. And I'd come back and, you know, they'd give me another chance, give me a warning. And there'd always be that point, maybe a week, maybe two weeks later, where it would happen again. Because, you know, I I just couldn't not do it, right? Yeah. And so there'd always be that the other time, and then, you know, I'd get, end up getting fired. How many jobs do you think you had that year? <laughs> I don't know. Man, there was like uh, three or four, three. You know, there was uh, there was always a lot of times where I was supposed to go get a job, too, and I just didn't show up. Yeah. It was like some years where I'd, when I'd file taxes, I'd have like... Like like three or four W twos. Right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's not normal. But that's, that's how normal. that's how it was. Right. And then like there, I remember there was one instance where I was supposed to go to an interview of a job that I was gonna get. They told uh-huh. me, but I had to go to the interview first, and I never made it to the interview. Right. Like yeah. I remember like being just so like, you know, this time like around this time like I can't really do anything sober. You yeah. know, it went kind of quick. Right. From eighteen to twenty, it was like a couple of years and a year, two years, and then yeah. uh, you know I remember walking. I took a shot before I went to go get in the car to go to the interview. And I remember on the way out to the car thinking I needed another shot. <laughs> so I turned around, got another shot. I remember getting into the car, starting it up, and then thinking I need another shot. Wow. Going back inside, taking another shot. I remember being halfway there in the car and thinking I needed another shot. So I went all the way back to my apartment, <laughs> took another shot, and needless to say, yeah, wow. I never made it to the interview, right? Yeah. You see, I would have brought the bottle with me. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but no, that's obviously kinda, I'm not no, at my no, finest here. No, no, no. But that's kind of like the, I'm the, the, the delusion, right. like where you're like, I'm just gonna do one more right. shot. It, it, I'm my, just gonna do one more. My reasoning for that was because yeah. I was only gonna take one more. Right? Yeah, like I'm gonna it. leave I'm it here so I don't take any more. <laughs> but you know, that doesn't like, oh, yeah, I'll just take one more. Yeah. Yeah. I used to do the same thing with pints. You know, I'd go buy a pint and be like, I'm just gonna do this pint. I'd go home, small little pint. Oh, drink it, and then I'm and I'm going back to the then store. Then that's the worst because then yeah, now I'm impaired and I'm going back to the store every time though. I'm yeah. just gonna do a pint. Ah <laughs> oh, man, and that made it worse. You know why? Phenomenon of craving. Bring it back. Yes. Full circle. Uh, and uh, there's a lot of fear in my story. You know, I talked about it as a child, and I'll talk about it a little now. You know, I just it, it consumed me. You know, and uh, like I said, that first night I got drunk at that high school dance. It felt like the alcohol 
got rid of all my fear, you know. Uh, and then in reality, we, we find out later that it didn't get rid of it at all. But, you know, I'll, I'll get to that. Um, you know, so I'd have these jobs. Uh, I'd lose these jobs. So really no, no like work experience, right? No kind of experience with work ethics or kind of like working hard, anything like that, you know. And, and so I eventually uh, I got this job. You know, still not quite sure how I got this job, but I, I got a job working at a pharmacy. Hmm. Did you um, know somebody? Maybe my mom did. Yeah. I don't know. But I went in. I remember walking in and getting hired that day. And later on that day, I remember them asking me if I wanted to be a pharmacy technician. And I remember like, okay, this sounds interesting. You know, science. You know, I don't technician <laughs> Chemistry. Like, throw, yeah. <laughs> throw a technician around <laughs> you. But you right. were telling everybody, I'm a technician yeah, now. No, I'm... I had to go to living at some school, life. some oh. schooling involved. In <laughs> well, you know, I'm one of those select few. They asked me right away. They knew. They knew. There's a degree. Yeah, there's always a degree. You know. <laughs> so, and, and that would end up accepting that job would accelerate my alcoholism, right? It would introduce me to some things that not only would allow me to drink all night, that would allow me to perform at work. But, you know, some days if I was not, didn't have any alcohol, sometimes they would allow me to get by. And what are these things? This is not a, you can mention anything you want in here, just so you know. Oh, like drugs. <laughs> <laughs> what drugs? Yeah. Uh, well, it kind of dabbled in opiates here and there. I would get mm -hmm. more into those later. Yeah. Um, there was you know, some Xanax. And uh, what really I found really helpful after a night of continuous drinking was Adderall. Mm. You know, because I could just take one of those in the morning, you know, not getting any sleep that night and I would be able to work, okay. you know, and uh, I was prescribed to Adderall once in college, you know, I remember, you know, I got 100 on an on a essay once because, because of Adderall, you oh, know, really? I stayed up the whole night drinking the night before, and this isn't really related, but, no, yeah, it's drug, I mean, that's, I wrote, you know, it had to be like four pages about our identity or something, I wrote like 12 pages, you know, <laughs> it was so like odd that the teacher asked if she could use it for like examples for other classes, that's what Adderall did. You think it was like examples of like how to go, how not to go too far, like uh, don't go too far. Well, I mean, I got 100 on it, so <laughs> you tell me. No, that's good. No. <laughs> I actually, I actually toot my own horn too, I had a, a, a teacher ask me if she could keep one of mine for an example. But I think she would, she used it as like an example of what not to do. <laughs> like, no, <laughs> nah. <laughs> so, yeah, I had experience with that. They took me off of Adderall because it made me too just wired. You know, yeah. I already had some. When drinking, I already had a problem of talking too much, too fast, and uh, Adderall would just make me talk way too fast. Oh way my too god! Much. I, I, could you imagine? Blah blah blah. It's already hard to get a word in with you. So, <laughs> oh god! Just like Matt's on Adderall, I'm just not gonna say anything for the rest. Uh, nobody of Nobody could night. say anything, but yeah. So that would uh, that kind of stuff, and um, and you know that the, the, those pills, you know, they would they, they would like I said, they would allow me to just, you know, it wasn't it was no longer I I I'd drink and then pass out. You know, I I just wouldn't pass out, so I would just keep drinking all night long. Hmm. You know. Um, and I managed to keep this job, I don't know how, for about two years. And, okay. You know, all the while stealing from them, you know, all the while drinking the entire time. Like, I remember I'd go into work smelling like alcohol. And now they knew I liked the party or whatever, you know. Yeah, likes like, the party. Oh, like, Matt, he liked the party and, and they'd laugh. They'd, he's like, make and they'd laugh, you know. And <laughs> <laughs> I remember going smelling like alcohol and they'd always, you know, be like, oh, man, it must, must have been a rough night, huh, Matt? And, you know. 
Sure, it was, but the reality was it was a rough morning, you know, because at this time I'm I'm drinking in the morning before work, you know, uh, my some of my group my, my I remember some of my fondest moments were waking up and finding out that I still had some left in the bottle from the night before, you know, and if I didn't, you know, God forbid, I'd have to stop on the way and be late, right? Because I'll never make it to work on time. But even if you know I didn't have to stop and buy alcohol on the way, but uh. You know, so I was drinking constantly. You know, I remember uh, I'd always have some in my car. And at lunch, I'd, I'd go sit out in my car, like, to tell them to eat. But I would just go sit out in my car and drink. Um, you know, they, they, they gave us, sometimes I'd have to go on uh, deliveries to uh, nursing homes. You know, four or five of them. And uh, I would just drive around delivering medication to these nursing homes, drinking the entire time. Hmm. You know, uh and it's around, you know, it's around this time, and, it, and they were really nice people, you know, I became, like, almost a part of the family, almost, you know, in a way, and, uh, you know, and all the while, like I said, I was just stealing, you know, from them, um, you know, they, they had me babysit their kids a few times, they, I remember the first time I went out with them, you know, we were, we, like, we made, we, they took, uh, the boss and his wife took all of us out, you know, all the, all the employees, and I remember my friend, one of my best friends growing up said, you know, I told him we were going out to like the bars. He said, man, you know, like, be careful, you know, because by this time, most of my friends know, you know, they're all of them. Like, this, yeah. maybe he drinks a little too much, right? Work parties are right. where it really He goes, dude, out. yeah, like, definitely. That's what he was worried about. Like, dude, maybe not like do your normal thing, oh, you know, dude, and Christmas I was like, dude, you know, I told him the same thing I told my brother. I was like, dude, I'm going to be fine. I'm going to get this. It's fine. You know, and I remember, I remember being <laughs> at the bar, the first bar, and I vaguely remember something about one of the other bars we ended up going to, but I woke up on their couch the next morning. Uh-huh. And I was like, oh, shit. Like, I don't know what I did. You know, did so you... I just got in my car and left. Oh, did you piss their couch? No, thank God. Because I, be... I did have problems with that. <laughs> um, you know, Flip the, you I remember the sleeping on my cousin's couch. And when I went to college, my cousin went there also. She had a house. She was uh-huh. in a sorority, you know. So I, <laughs> I'd try to be over there a lot. <laughs> I remember peeing on her couch once and just getting up and leaving. And then later that day, her, like, calling me, telling me, like, one of her friends was wondering if I peed on the couch. <laughs> <laughs> I said, no, what? Spilled a beer, maybe. <laughs> I had a lot of problems with that. One, a futon, you know, in college, that was a big story. Anyway, you know. <laughs> um, but no, I did not. And I just got in my car and left thinking, like, I just lost my job. Mm-hmm. But, you know, uh, what, I, apparently, according to them, what happened was I tried to get on the stage at one of these bars because when I got drunk, I would, I did like to get on the stage. I would try to get on stage. I've gotten kicked off out of many bars. Yeah. for just trying to get on stage. I don't know with why. With the band? And then I'd get up there and they'd like, somebody would hand me the mic and I wouldn't even know what to say. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, but I just yeah, wanted yeah, to get on stage yeah. right, with the band. So they said, and they were kind of like, I've gotten kicked off for right. trying to get on stage too. Get it. Yeah. You get it. Yeah. <laughs> and, and they were kind of, they thought it was funny, right? Yeah. They, this is the first bar I've ever gotten kicked out of. Yeah. You know, so it was kind of a funny thing for them, right? Yeah. So I think, well, how much time do I have left? Oh, so you look, man, look, here we go. Because I got the, uh, like, the the treatment facilities. I still need to talk about those. and Yeah, just go. You're right, right down. All right, so. Give me another 10 minutes of this, and then we'll take a quick break. Uh, 10 minutes? All right, well. Or 5 to 10, whichever. Fifth. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I don't know how many fives was that I hit here. I don't know. 
<laughs> I don't know. You did it with both and hands, <laughs> and then you did it with another hand. Matt, Matt's right. making hand signals. To All me. right. Well, you get that. <laughs> no, but so, you get you get yeah ten so ten to fifteen. Kind of fast forward there. You know, I, I was able to make some money working at this. Uh, but when I say make some money working at this pharmacy, I mean make enough to like get by. Like, cause I would spend it all on whatever. You know, I, I, but I made enough to get an apartment. You know, I remember that was really a great thing for me to get out of my parents' house mm-hmm. finally. You know, and uh, but needless to say, you know, I. I lost this job after about two years, you know, which, like I said, I cannot believe I had it for as long as I did, but they, they grew tired of me always coming in late, you know, always smelling like booze, you know, something had to give, right? They, they, maybe they noticed something, you know, I don't, I don't know to this day. I'll oh, find yeah. out soon, hopefully, but oh, yeah, yeah. but, uh, so I lost this job and, uh, you know, I, I ended up, obviously I, I couldn't pay for the apartment and alcohol. So I lost the apartment, had to move back in with my parents at 25, you know, uh, it, it, things got really dark after this, you know, like I said, I had a jobs here and there before, and this was kind of like that, where I'd have a job for like a day or two, you know, up until like, just to get enough to get alcohol. I remember I was working for this carpenter one time and I, I bought some alcohol on the way to work. And like, I remember like he was running late and it was cold outside. So I went and shot, like slept in his, uh, his woodworking area shed whatever and i remember I, I fell asleep next to a heater and i guess i was so drunk at the time like it didn't wake me up when it was like burning through my leg you know i remember like later that day like that evening kind of noticing like my leg was itching and like it was like sweating it was weird right and mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know what happened the next day it was all scabbed up like i burned almost <laughs> burned a hole in my leg <laughs> didn't have no idea right so mm-hmm. things aren't great for me now you know i remember how long did you work to the carpenter? Just a couple weeks. <laughs> I left you've one day. Like and the, you've got like a, bit, a bit like... Oh, lots of skills with everything, but don't know how to do any of it. Yeah. <laughs> lots of experience, no skills. Oh, man. Yeah. I, I was a carpenter's helper for, for a minute, too. Yeah. I didn't know. Yeah. Like yeah. I... Something about the lacquer. And the, is, that, is that a word? Lacquer? On lacquer the, is a word. On the cabinets. So mean, we lacquered those cabinets. <laughs> <laughs> Hated it. Yeah. But, uh, you know, and... Uh, so, yeah, things got... Uh, Dark quick, because all I would think about all day long was drinking, right? You know, um, if I didn't have enough money to get it, I would figure out how to get it. You know, I would go to sleep thinking about how I would get it that morning, you know, and the whole day revolved around me planning and all these schemes to get alcohol. You know, by this time, you know, most of my friends, you know, like at first, you know, I, you hear some people talk about how their worst day in sobriety is better than their worst, their, or their best, best day. day. No, their worst day in sobriety is, be- is better than their best day drinking kind of thing. Yeah. Is that right? I think the that was not my experience. Yeah. I had a lot of fun drinking at first. Yeah. You know, uh, a lot of good times, a lot of good memories, uh, you know, with my friends and all. And, and you know, but all those memories I had with these friends, you know, by this time, it's like they, 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 it was coming apparent they weren't drinking like me. Because before, I could always say, we all get drunk too. Yeah. You know, we all get drunk the same way. But I'm losing jobs. I'm losing my apartment. You know, uh, stuff's happening. You know, I got a DUI. You know, I'm getting these, con- I'm starting to get these consequences that they aren't getting. And they're like getting their shit together, graduating right. college. You know, they're graduating college, getting kids. married, having yeah. kids. And it's like, you know, so it becomes apparent to them, right, that I'm having a problem. You know, and I remember one of my friends asking me like one time, he goes, and after like uh, we've kind of talked about it, he said, you know, me, why don't you just like kind of slow down? Why don't you just like quit for a little while or something like that? I remember telling him, you know, looking him in the eye, telling him, you know, like the only reason I don't quit is because y'all think I have a problem. Uh-huh. And, and that made so much sense that, to me. That, that was like a, a, such a legitimate reason for me. So rational. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, and, and, 
you know, it just didn't, it didn't work. You know, I, I, I couldn't quit by this time, you know, and uh, I ended up getting pancreatitis, uh, extremely painful, you know, um, I went to the hospital because, you know, I really at first thought I would just drink it away like I did every, like I thought I could just drink the pain away and I didn't realize every time I drank it would, it would just make, make the pain worse, worse right, yeah. you know, so every time I drank, yeah, and then, so I get to the hospital, they, uh, they hook me up with an IV and they pump me full of Dilaudid and that was awesome, <laughs> you know, I remember the first thing I said after that happened, I was like, more, please, can and I she said, you're going to have this? to wait, yeah, and, and, you know, I remember that, and, uh, you know, they actually did give me a script of Dilaudid relief, you know, like, way too much, you know, which I abused, um, you know, and after that, uh, and after that, that, I remember doctors telling me, you know, while I was in the hospital, like, you're going to, you can die, like, this is going to kill you if you quit drinking, right, if you don't quit drinking, right, yeah. Anyway, yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you don't quit drinking, I remember thinking like that's that's not gonna happen. Like I'll be fine. Yeah. You know, like I'm not gonna die. Like what are you kidding yeah, me? That's like, crazy. Not me. Like, yeah. yeah. And, and uh, you know, so I, I got out. Um, and I I remember on the way home from the hospital, stopping at a a, a Walgreens. No, not Walgreens. A Winn Dixie, because I told my mom I wanted to rent a movie from Redbox. And I had no money. I didn't, God bless my mom. She's an enabler, but, you know, she I don't know, cares about me. I wants me to be happy, whatever. And I told her yeah. I had to go. So she gives me her credit card, and I run inside, buy a bottle of vodka. <laughs> you know, on the way home from the hospital that I, like, snuck in. Like, With her credit card, and she didn't, I guess she didn't check her, her statement. Oh, she did. She would always ask me, like, what is this from? I'm like, I don't know. It's from Walgreens. You probably bought, you know, you must have bought some. <laughs> you know? And, you know, I proceeded to drink it that night out of like you know i was in the hospital for weeks you know and i got out and like the first thing i could do was drink you know and uh you know and you know the the alcohol was harder to come by because i had no money you know i resorted to like stealing you know i remember the first time i told this story it was like i was acting like i was doing like criminal things at night you know the reality was i was stealing from my friends and family you know people i knew (laughs) you know when when street stuff (laughs) not 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 street stuff at all you know uh i knew where the 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 medicine cabinets were you know i knew where the liquor cabinets were you know i knew where the wallets were um you know one time i went to church with my mom and she uh Told her I had to go, and I never went to church with my mom for a while, you know, and I told her I had to go use the restroom, and I ran a couple blocks down the street to the gas station and used a gift card to buy some vodka. You know, it's stuff like that, dressing up all in black, (laughs) ninja style, to sneak into my parents' bedroom at night to get the credit card. And I really, I fancied myself a ninja. Like, I was sneaky, you know, I was doing ninja shit, you know. I I remember somehow, like, being proud of my accomplishment. Like, just went In that moment, yeah. I'm talking like, yeah. uh, Like, you hear one of them kind of move, and it's like... In the sh- stayed in the shadows. <laughs> they will not see me. <laughs> I could see that being very exciting. Oh, they, the most exciting part of my life at this time, you know. Uh, yeah, you were like living in this fantasy world. Oh, you know? was I? God, you del- know, delusional. It was, yes, crazy. Yes. You know, uh, yeah, I was, I was not Indiana Jones. That's for sure. No, you know, no. it belongs you in were a museum. Ninja. You were right. American Ninja. <laughs> yeah, remember that movie, American Ninja? Three Ninjas. No, it was a movie, American Oh, Chris Ninja. Farley. No. It's Beverly Hills Ninja. No. Okay. American Ninja was like this American guy who was a ninja. Mm. It was good. Yeah. I was a kid. Yeah. It was fun. Yeah. <laughs> ninja Turtles. No. <laughs> <laughs> Karate Kid? <laughs> no, it's American Ninja. Um, but, uh, so I ended up going to this 28-day place because uh, people were, I got, I got tired of people telling me I needed to get to get help, you know. Uh, well, but no, well, let me be afraid. Prior to the 28-day place, I went to an outpatient thing. And I remember one of the ladies trying to explain to me that I could no longer drink. And, you know, at this time, 
I just was not capable of understanding that, right? My brain was not capable of coming to a conclusion where I never drink again, right? Like yeah. that, that, it was unable, it was just unable to rationalize that. It was unable to process that, whatever you want to call it. Cause I remember her saying, you know, you can't drink. And I remember like hearing it and being like, until when? She goes, no, like you can never drink again. And I remember like, except for like crawfish boils, football games, like those obviously you can drink at because you have to drink at those, you know? And I remember like her telling me like, you, you can't drink. And I remember like, it just was not, it, it wasn't a possibility, you know, yeah. it was, wasn't happening. Um, you know, so I, I ended up going to this 28 day place after I couldn't stay sober from the outpatient place. And, uh, you know, actually it was there when I was first kind of, I guess somewhat introduced to AA, you know, they, they let me borrow a big book. Um, which I did not read, uh, and I, but I remember they would bring in AA meetings there. Um, you know, there was some talk. I remember vaguely talk about sponsorship and all that. But you know, it was only 28 days. I was in a fog the entire time. Uh, and, and you know, at this at this meeting they brought in, you know, I remember a guy came in, and he was talking about how he got shot in the spine, and about how the bullet lodged in his spine or something. And I, you know, I remember thinking when he told me that, that has not happened to me yet. I still have a higher ceiling. Like, mm. I still have a little ways to go. I can still drink, mm. right? I drank the day I got out of that 28-day place. You know, uh, mom gave me money for a haircut. Did not get a haircut. You know, um... Did she notice you didn't get a haircut? You were just like, oh, yeah. I, I told him not to take too much off, yeah, mom. I don't. <laughs> just you know, uh, split ends. Uh, and, and, you know, I ended up getting pancreatitis two more times. Wow. You know, uh... So pancreatitis... Explain it for those who I was drinking so much my uh, my pancreas uh, I don't know the exact but like it it produces insulin for the body and it it became so inflamed pancreas is also part of the digestive system so you know I was drinking so much that it became kind of enlarged it would flare up it would get swollen you know and start like interfering with my other organs because like my spleen sugar yeah basically I guess no maybe. Was the insulin have something doctors to do with sugar? Doctors said stuff. I didn't listen. <laughs> <laughs> okay, just disclaimer: we're not doctors either. No, no. Well, we're actually, we're actually some dumb. know more than others, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we're actually quite dumb. Uh, eh. So, <laughs> so, so I'd go in, and, and you know, it, it's funny, you know, by by the third time of going to the hospital and all this amount of pain, I was actually excited. About, about going the, to the hospital, oh, you know, because I knew when I got there, they would stick me with the IV and start pumping me full of drugs. Like, I remember, like, the third time I got it, I was like, yes, <laughs> let's go. Like, you know, I, and that's crazy. Yeah, it is. I, and, and, you know, and, and still at this point, I really don't think a whole lot's wrong. Like, I think I'm in a phase, you know, <laughs> a couple of years, but, you know, I, I'm just in a phase. I'll get out. Yeah. I'll grow out of it. I haven't met the right woman or, you know, I didn't get the right job or, you know, just the right thing has not happened yet. You know, the, the right thing never would happen, honestly, to go to quit drinking. But, you know, um, so after this, this last time, you know, I remember one time, you know, at sometimes like drinking even became difficult. Like I would take my first, I'd take that first swig and I'd throw up. And this happened for, I remember like a couple months, like that first swig and I would just throw up. I don't know why, you know, probably because my pancreas was doing something or whatever, but like, yeah, for like a couple, and I remember like, I think your body was like, nah, dude. I remember like thinking like, let me get that out the way and then I would just drink, you know, yeah. I'd get it, I'd be fine after that, you know, and I remember one of these points, I threw up my grits that I ate that morning all over the side of my door in my car, you know, and, and those grits like stayed on the side of my car for like months, <laughs> dry vomit grits, you know, and, and you know, everything's fine. <laughs> you know, so things like looking back weren't yeah. the best for me at this moment. Yeah, <laughs> not at all. <laughs> no, nah, nah, yeah. you know. I got a crazy throw-up story in the car too. 
it's uh it's kind of gross i was emba- i always feel like a little embarrassed to tell it but like i was driving home uh from my girlfriend's parents house they had invited me over to dinner no my brother's girlfriend's parents house i was like in a really shitty stage in my life and they invited me over because they felt bad for me i think and uh so i went i drank all their wine they broke out some nice wine i drank most of it and then and and then I went to go home and they, they were like, no, nah, don't leave. You know, cause I had drank before I got there and I drank all their wine. So I was drunk. Uh, but I thought that they couldn't tell. And I was they, like, no, I'm no, fine. No. So they're like, no, no, no. Uh, let, let, let somebody drive you home. And I was like, no. And I would not let them like take my keys. So my brother and his girlfriend followed me and I was so proud. So when I'm driving, I started getting queasy. <laughs> I think I've heard this one. No, continue, please. I started getting queasy, and I was like, oh, God, I got to throw up. And I was so proud, and I didn't want anybody to think that I was actually drunk, that I just drove, and I threw up into the passenger side floorboard. Like I would just turn my head and throw up a little bit, and then I'd keep driving, and then I'd turn my head, throw up a little bit. And then I ended up leaving it there for like three or four days and never got the smell out of that car. Uh, Sounds about right, my friend. <laughs> Sounds then, about and, right. And then, like, my, and Michael asked me, "What's that smell coming out of your car?" So, oh yeah, uh, and I blamed it on one of my friends. Like, Tony threw oh, up in the car the other that, night. That mildew, <laughs> <laughs> damn rain. Yeah, it was, yeah, stuff like that happened to me too. Yeah, <laughs> and so yeah, so you know, and I remember, uh, I don't know, like even one of my best, my best friends, still one of my best friends today. He tried to help me get sober. God bless him. But like, he would have me go stay with him and his wife. And hoping, like, just keep me away from alcohol type thing. Mm. And, you know, I ended up finding, like, bottles of wine, like, under his bed and all. And, like, you know, like, it just it didn't. You know, I remember, like, I had figured out this trick where I could start his car without the keys. Like, if I turned it with the key in, it's, like, a certain amount. Like, take the key out. Then I could just turn it without the key later. So, uh-huh. I'd, I'd leave at night, take his, <laughs> his vehicle wow. and go buy vodka. Uh, yeah, you know, I could not be stopped. Um, it was my passion. You know, it was everything. Um, you know, uh it was what I lived for and, you know, I needed it, you know, and if I didn't have it, you know, not only would all the fear and all, you know, come in, but like I would physically be ill without it at this point. Mm. Um, you know, cause those few times where I detoxed at the hospital, they'd have to strap me down. Like I was having, whether it was seizures or just like, uh, hallucinations, you know, uh, I remember ants coming out of the wall at one point, uh, wow. bugs, you know, nobody else can see him, but I'm like looking at it on my arm, you know, and it's, it's, uh, that's the stuff that would happen if I wasn't drinking. Yeah. You know, that's uh, what I'm saying. Yeah. I mean, so you want. So I, I ended up, you know, finally after people begging, you know, I ended up going to treatment for the first time. Long term. Long term. All right. I'll tell you what. Let's take a break there uh, and we'll be right back. All right. Okay. See you all soon. Was that supposed to Okay, we're back from break, uh, and uh, just jump right back in. You were you were going first time long term treatment. A little place I like to call Bridge House. Okay, well you know, well maybe. you know, a lot of people call it. That. Don't. Yeah, that's fine. Can we edit that out. Yeah, we'll edit it uh, out. I know. Uh, you know, I don't know. I just don't know if I should. <laughs> no, I don't think I it's a big it. deal though. All right. I've, I've, so I went to long term treatment. Long term treatment for the first time. 
Which was no. how long? Well, I remember them telling me it would be six months to a year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember thinking maybe I'll stay three months tops. You know, I got other stuff to do, right? Yeah. I'm throwing up and stuff like they in cars. Th- they said three months to a year? They said six months to oh, a year. Okay. And I said, man, three months tops. I'm a busy guy. Mm-hmm. Right? <laughs> Obviously, I got a lot going on. <laughs> um, you know, and because uh, anything longer than that just seemed crazy. You know, um, I, I ended up staying for 13 months, though. Wow. Yeah. Uh, seems like a long time. It was a long time. You know, I remember first the first night I got there just absolutely being terrified. Um, you know, cause sometimes I used to say, I used to say, you know, uh, I kind of forgot how to, how to have a conversation with somebody sober, you know, looking back on it, the reality is I probably never knew how to have a conversation with anybody sober, you know, um, but I was absolutely terrified. This treatment center had 80 something other guys in it, you know, and man, I've never been, I haven't been around people sober in such a long time that I, I like I said, I was just overwhelmed with fear. You know, uh, I remember my roommate first night there told me he had five months. He's been there five months. And I remember like, oh, my God, this dude's a God. (laughs) I had five months. You know, that that seemed like an eternity. Five months sober. Five months sober. Like, oh, yeah. And then part of me was almost like, it sucks for you. You know, I remember. Yeah. When you first get sober, somebody's got a few months there. They they must know all the secrets to the universe. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Please share with me your powers. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I were there and, and you know, I remember there's a, in, in the very first part of it, you're in stabilization. You know, that's where you kind of go like they you unwind, you know, you kind of talk about it, what you were doing, how it was, you know, they kind of get you acclimated. Right. Yeah. And uh, I, I refused to say anything. You know, I remember for like most people, it was like three weeks. They had to be in this class or whatever, this certain thing. And I remember I was in there for like five or six weeks, you know, because this the counselor kept getting me, you know, you've got to talk. You got to say something. And I just, I didn't. I Dude, didn't, that's, I, that's so crazy. Like, cause yeah, when I met you, you didn't say, you were like mute. Well, that was kind of part, like part of that was, that was part of your charm. It was like, oh, Matt's just a quiet, quiet guy. Mysterious? No, not <laughs> mysterious. <laughs> not at all. Uh, all right. But, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, you were like just quiet. Yeah, cool, he just, and just kind of e- easy going, you know. But now that I know you, it's like, I wish you would shut up. Right. And, you know, obviously that <laughs> was not easy going. Like, cause I was not calm at all. I was in the inside. I was like screaming the entire. I don't time. actually wish you would shut up. No, I know. It didn't even. It didn't even phase me when you said that. As it, just for the record, I feel like I'm throwing a lot of jabs at you. Uh, for the people that out there to know, we're we're best friends. So this that's how our relationship is. I don't jab that hard though, do I? Nah. No. It, it's it's it's, it's <laughs> mutual. Yeah. <laughs> like off the like you know off air, I jab at him too. I just want y'all to know. Oh, see, he's just a <laughs> he's just a way better human being than I am. Uh, you know. We all, you know, some are better than others, my friend. Yeah, well. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, uh, yeah, in fact, I, I, I remember, you know, I, I was so scared. They used to give out snacks in the cafeteria at this, this treatment center, right? They'd give out donuts or whatnot. And I remember I, I went out, I went down there one night to get my snack. I walked into the cafeteria, and I thought everybody was talking about me. You know, and I, and I went and hid in my room, which I proceeded to do. That's what I did most of the time. I'd go hide in my room. You know, I remember... It, First time I met Andy, you know, he came up to me when we were doing chores, nightly chores. And, you know, you, you came up to me and like, oh, you know, our counselor said we have a lot in common. You know, maybe yeah. we should like be talk, you know, <laughs> something like that, be friends. And I just remember like thinking like, oh my God, this dude's talking to me. <laughs> you know, I remember I, like, I made a mental note afterwards, stay away from that yeah. dude because he is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I think she had told me, uh, she had told me, 
I was having trouble relating with people in there because I felt like everybody was, yeah, but everybody was different. Right. No, no, no. I got and you. I guess yeah. she, she just by going, it, doing one on ones with sense us. It makes sense when you put it to me now. <laughs> you know, and God bless she her. Thought she we, was she such thought a, we would get along. Yeah. So yeah. She was right. Well, she was right, wasn't she, at the end? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. Thanks, Stephanie, for yeah. bringing us together. God bless her. <laughs> you know, um, so... You know, and it was in this treatment center that I was actually like truly introduced into AA for the first time. By truly, I mean, you know, you get there and they, 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 they force you to get a sponsor. And, you know, thank God they do, because if it left to my own devices, I never would have gotten a sponsor. No, yeah. most of the people in this treatment center would never get a sponsor. But, you know, they pretty much say, you know, you got to get a sponsor or you can't go out on pass. You yeah. know, basically they reward you for getting a sponsor. So naturally we all got sponsors, you know, and, and that's what I did, you know, well. Uh, you know, I remember the first the first uh first time we met when my sponsor, you know, he sat me down and one of the first things he said is, In one day, you were gonna do what I'm doing with you with someone else. Can you do that? Or you know, are you willing to do that? Or like, you know, <laughs> that sound good to you? And I remember like he said something to that effect and I remember saying, Oh yeah, of course. But like in my head, I'm thinking, Never, ever, ever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can't I'm not doing this with anybody, you know? Like, and uh, you know, so uh, I mean we proceeded to work the steps. Um you know, uh, and, and God, I love treatment. You know, I love rehab. You know, where else in the world can you be sitting in your sweatpants at noon on a Tuesday crying and everyone there tells you you're doing great? <laughs> you know, like, I, I love treatment. You know, uh, I actually read that somewhere recently. I don't want to get copyrighted. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, I, yeah. you know, in, in my head, I was like, oh, he thought he's been waiting. He's been having I've been that waiting in his holster that. Oh, for no. so long. I, I have, actually. But I thought since I read it, I, I put it in the vault, you know, yeah. and then now that I'm saying it and it's going to be recorded, you know, I don't want any uh, lawsuits, <laughs> anything like that. But it was good, though, right? Yeah, it's a good Anyway, one. so yeah, that's yeah. what they did. And it was like, accurate. Thanks, you know, thanks for, you know, being honest. It was, you know, <laughs> hey, progress, right? Uh, and it, because I hear stuff like that and I claim it's mine. And maybe all the I was time. just honest because I knew people would hear me. You yeah, know, I don't know. It. No, I'm kidding. It wasn't completely it, selfless. Mm. Not completely. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it, there's this part in the Big Book Bill story. It's also one of the first things you'll read. And uh, he talks about one of his, uh, his first attempts to get sober. And, you know, he talks about how at, at one of these treatment centers, he acquired knowledge about how the disease worked, right? He acquired, no- he acquired knowledge about how his mind worked. And he thought that would keep him sober. And it did not. You know, and I'd like to say that that first time in treatment, I stayed sober, but I did not also, you know, um, I was provided an opportunity to really work on the steps, really work on myself, you know, and I didn't, you know, um, I was not very honest with my sponsor. You know, we got to that part where you, you, you got to make amends and, uh, I just didn't, you know, fear, fear crippled me. And, you know, I, I just refused to walk through it. You know, at that, at that time in my life, I was incapable of being honest, um, you know, and, and honestly, I thought, you know, that knowledge and time would keep me sober, right? Because, I mean, I was in there, you know, by the time I got out for over a year. Hmm. And don't get me wrong. I think any time sober is good time sober. Like, good time. Like, uh, you're sober, right? It's better than not being sober. But, like, you know, you hear a lot about spiritual growth. And I just didn't, I didn't have that. You know, essentially, I got out of this treatment center the same guy who got in. You know, except I was sober for like over a year, you know, and I was very, you know, and I was very distracted in this treatment center, you know, um, not concentrating on the things I need to be, not focused on myself, you know, focused on, I was still focused on outside things that would make me happy. You know, I remember like one of the first things we did, like we ended up like buying stackers at a gas station. Stackers are like this caffeine pill. You know, and that would get me, make me feel weird for a little while. You know, I remember, I remember they gave me a, a sleeping pill when I first got there to help me sleep. 
which I don't think I needed, but I remember like holding it onto it one day and taking it the day after, like the morning, the next morning, just uh-huh. so I would feel different. You know, I remember being yeah. at the car lot, like <laughs> took the light right out of my oh, eyes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I used to take a town all PMs and try to stay up. Yeah. Like why? Yeah, and this like, does mm. not feel good at all. No. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, you know, but it, it made yeah. me for a little while not think about like some of the stuff I would think about. You know, mm-hmm. for a little while maybe not feel like me. Because mm. I didn't want to feel like me. Yeah. You know, and uh you know, speaking, you know, I had this counselor. She was very nice to me. And you know, for the first time in a very long time, she made me feel like good about who I was as a person. And, and it just because, you know, she said nice things, right? And so naturally, I thought I was in love with her, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> and, you know, and I even proceeded to tell her in one of our one-on-ones how I felt, thinking she loved me also. Like, mm-hmm. obviously, she's telling me these nice things <laughs> because she loves me. And we're going to walk out of the treatment center hand in hand, and it's going to be awesome. <laughs> that did not happen. <laughs> and uh, but, but I like to say that story. First, I don't, I don't think it's really that uncommon. But, you know, also because, because, you know, because it's funny too. It is very funny, but also (laughs) it's just an example of some of the things I was focused on. Right. You know, when I had this great opportunity, like I said, to get better, you know, grow spiritually and I did not, you know, so, so I get out of treatment and, and honestly, thank God, you know, I mean, I still have a lot of my friends today are friends I met that first time in that treatment center, you know, um, Friends that are still sober today, like Andy, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, I continued to go to meetings with them for a little while. Um, you know, I, I had a job that I didn't like, you know, um, but I mean, there was a difference, you know, like they had done the things they needed to do while in treatment. So when they got out, you know, I'm sure it was scary, you know, whatever, but there was something different about them that I would notice like along the way. There was a light in their eyes, right? There was a sense of like ease, maybe a little bit more so than they used to have, you know, whereas me, you know, I was usually just faking like I was happy. You know, I'd go to these meetings with my friends and I felt completely alone. My friends. Yes, my friends. <laughs> <laughs> and I felt completely alone. Um, you know, and all that fear just came right back. You know, it's like, like I said, you know, earlier, like, like the alcoholism, it didn't get rid of my fear at all. It just made me think it did, right? And it was all an illusion, right? All it did was stuff all that stuff deep down and kind of put like a cork over it. And then when that cork came out and all came busting out, all that fear, I had no idea what to do. You know, I didn't use my time to learn how to, you know, I, I didn't take suggestions, right? I was still trying to do it on my own and I could not which I would find out, you know, I ended up relapsing on pain pills, uh, you know, and hiding that, you know, and uh, I got another DUI, um, you know, and eventually, you know, I came clean to everybody about that and still it didn't seem like a big deal, but then I started drinking and in no time at all, I was back in the treatment center, Mm -hmm. you know, and I remember like just being, laying in my parents' house, telling my mom, you know, I gotta go back. Like, and I, I, I remember feeling extremely hopeless you know, and uh, I remember she's like, you know, okay, we'll pack a bag. And I just remember th- I threw some sweatpants into a bag and I was like, that's it. We're good. <laughs> that's all I need. That's all I ever wore. You know, I love sweatpants. But anyway, that's all I wore. You're wearing sweatpants tonight. Eh, kind of like athletic though. Cause I yeah, work out, they're you know, skinny. Yeah, you know, well, get that good fit. Kind of sexy. Mm, I yeah, mean, well, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, so I, I went back to treatment for a second time. And, you know, this time I remember thinking, 
And, you know, it was very embarrassing to go back for me. You know, we, we were doing things with that treatment center, like going and talking to the newer guys. So, you know, people there knew me. So it was a little embarrassing to go back with my tail between my legs. And, uh, you know, but I, I kind of got through that. And uh, I remember, like, thinking, like, you know, I'm going to do it right this time. I'm going to take suggestions, you know, and all that. And, uh, you know, I even had, like, a semi-spirit. I like to think a pretty profound spiritual experience at first, you know, and uh, not to get into it, but like uh, my perspective shifted, you know, it's something that still affects me today, um, you know, but, but anyway, you know, I, I forget I about that. Yeah. You were but, like, uh, you were like, legit. that's all you could talk like, about. Ah, that's how everybody like, listen. I, I went from experience. not talking at all to telling everybody, I had a spiritual experience. <laughs> you know, like people were like, dude, this weirdo, like get them out of here. You know, I was like, oh, spiritual. I didn't, I didn't know what to believe. I was like, is he uh, going crazy? You know what? Maybe, you know what? But <laughs> someone else is crazy. You know, someone's crazy is also their spiritual experience. That's it. You know? and no, I, I. What seems crazy to you may be spiritual to me. Yeah. I've had weird I, spiritual I just experiences too. came up with that. I'm using that. There you go. Yeah. I didn't even pay attention because I was imagining change, what I friend. was going to say. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> I don't even know. <laughs> so, yeah, I remember going around like the treatment center telling everybody I would listen about the spiritual experience I had. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, that, that change of perspective, though, is still, is still active today, somewhat. I mean, my perspective changes daily sometimes, yeah. you know. Uh, but, uh, you know, and I remember, you know, I, I'm going to do it the way they want me to do it. And I proceeded to do it the way they wanted me to do it for about two weeks. <laughs> Until I remember something came up where he, my sponsor wanted me to do something like speak at a meeting or something, and I, I just couldn't do it. Mm. And I lied about doing it. You know? Um, oh, you told him you did and oh, you yeah. didn't? Yeah. <laughs> yes, I spoke at the meeting. What'd you talk about? Shh, recovery. <laughs> <laughs> the topic was uh, drinking or but, not drinking. Uh, not drinking? Yeah. She <laughs> yeah. talked about not drinking, staying sober, spirituality. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so I, I, it all started, it was almost the same exact thing. Like, uh, you know, I got to the fourth step and I wasn't completely honest. You know, there was some stuff I didn't, I didn't want to talk about, you know, and, and, and it's, and it's because I felt like I didn't do that fourth step correctly. I almost felt like I was already screwed. Right. And, and I wanted to be clear, like do the fourth step any way you want to do it at first, you know, get it out, whatever you got to get out, get out. I mean, be as honest as possible, but you know, for some reason, and like, and I have a friend who likes to call it the greatest hits, right? The fourth step, you know, and for some reason it doesn't all come out. That's okay. You don't have to drink still, mm. you know? And I, and I thought because I, very early on, I just want to very early on when I thought I wasn't doing the steps correctly, I automatically assumed that like meant well, I had to drink. You got to right. drink now. And you know, maybe it was just an excuse <laughs> to drink because I wasn't yeah. ready to be sober, you know? That's, but so weird, though. that's the, the, how you I You do felt. hear like, don't leave anything out. Right. You leave one thing you out. Know, and uh, the same thing over, you know, we, we, we got to uh, where it came to make amends and I just didn't do it. Uh, and basically the same thing over, you know, I ended up in an Oxford house. Disclaimer though, don't leave anything out if you can. Right. No, absolutely not. <laughs> and I'm going to get to that. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, We're not saying leave Let me get to that. <laughs> I'm not sober yet, right? In the story. So uh, so uh, I go to an Oxford house and uh, proceed to relapse again, you know, after a little while because I wasn't doing it. You know, uh, my fears overcame my desire to stay sober, right? Uh, and I relapse and I did what I do. I don't tell anybody. And I got away with it for a couple of weeks, uh, for however long until, you know, one day. It was only a couple of weeks? It was probably longer. I don't know. Maybe. It was longer. This is the second time. Was that the time whenever you were working at, at, the, uh, at, at the thrift shop? No. Oh. You went back. Oh, yeah. yeah that's right. Yeah. I'm Thanks tripping. Come on, man. You're ruining this. I know. My bad. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, so I get caught. Uh, I actually got caught like while playing Call of Duty. 
And I remember my friends were respectful enough to wait until I finished the game, and then they said, hey, you've been drinking. And I remember looking at them and saying, thank you all for letting me finish that game. <laughs> but yes, I've been drinking. Did you say that? <laughs> yeah, no, they said, can you take a, can you take a, a urine test? Right? And I, and I looked at them, like, right in the eye, and I said, no need. I've been drinking, guys. But thank you for letting me finish this game. Stupid. <laughs> 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 just a little history. That's funny, though. Yeah. That's uh, good. And, I, and you had the actually, it was two of my good friends that had to do it, you know. Uh, and, and, yeah. yeah. I wasn't thinking about others, you know. Like, no. And that must not have been a, g- a great experience for them either, you not know, having all. to ask me to, to leave. And a couple of my friends lived in that house, you know. Uh, so, But anyway, so I go back out, and I stayed out a little longer this time because – I don't, I don't know what I really was thinking. I didn't know what to do. Um, you know, I remember I got a job at a veterinarian's office, another one of those weird kind of jobs. And, uh, you know, I remember, like, when I first got it, I was like, you know what, okay, I, like, I'm going to do this for real, right? And by for real, I mean I'm only going to drink on the weekends. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I remember I did for, like, two weeks. I only drank on the weekends when I had this job. But I remember all during the week, all I would think about was drinking on the weekend. Like, I would go to sleep early throughout the week just so the weekend would get here quicker right I, I found myself going to sleep at like seven o'clock at night <laughs> like that never happened ever you know and I would do it just to get through the week yeah. so I could drink and you know and eventually that Monday came around where I couldn't stay sober for that Monday you know and I ended up walking out of that veterinarian office at lunchtime hmm. never went back you know um and uh there was a, a few more like mishaps after that um you know, like I got drunk in St. Louis and got lost and it, just uh, some crazy stuff. And uh, eventually I got back into treatment for the third time. And, you know, I, I didn't I did not think I could stay sober. I did not want to stay sober. I did not think AA was for me because obviously, you know, I, I tried it. and It didn't work. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and uh, I ended up, you know, and because I'd been there before, they give you a 24 hour pass. Um, they gave me a 24 power hour pass like to go home and stay the night elsewhere other than the treatment center like three weeks in and i drank this is your third time time in treatment right and i drank on the pass and came back to treatment the next day and i got away with it didn't get caught right which i thought at the time was a blessing and that would actually end up being the beginning of the end right that that first time getting drunk you know I, i would do it on every single like pass i could take i would drink you know um and that's where i was working with you at the thrift shop Great times. They were great times. <laughs> they were great I was times. You devastated know, I, when you I did found not out. know I was no. living this torment inside, being torn <laughs> apart. But yeah, it was still but great like, times. Uh, that, that's really when our friend, our bond, it blossomed and deepened. Yeah. Yes, it, it <laughs> blossomed into what it is now. No, th- yeah, like true romance. And now all these experiences, you know, thank God for every single one of them. Yeah. Looking back on it now, like I'm mean, in the moment, I'm like, this is awful. I want to die. But every one of them was necessary. Um, you know, so I, I get out of this treatment center. And I, I go back to an Oxford house, and, you know, I was not sober this entire time. So you graduated yeah. from the treatment right. center. Dr- yeah. Drinking, right? Yeah. You know, I wasn't drunk the whole time. Like, I would only take a pass, like, once every couple of weeks. But, you know, I was not sober. Yeah. You know, I was not, I wasn't being how honest. That, how did that feel to, like, graduate the treatment center? I don't know. I I, I was think I was just so, like, kind of lost at this time. Like, at that, at that point, it, I don't really know. But I remember, like, after, you know, how that felt. I remember being in the sober house, and you know, how that felt. I remember getting a job where like I brought all my friends from treatment to this job. It was at this restaurant. So mm-hmm. it was almost like a sober kitchen on magazine street, which is crazy. Right. But I remember that. I remember those feelings. Right. I remember these are actually some of my closest friends today. And I got them. We all were kind of working at this restaurant and like, you know, we're all fresh out of treatment. So obviously we're, we're talking about a lot of AA stuff, a lot of life stuff, a lot of spiritual stuff. Right. A lot of our conversations. 
And uh, but when we cut up, you know, I had to put that in there. But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and and so I'm having these intimate conversations with my good friends. And I remember, like, at some point, like, one point, I just remember thinking, like, dude, you are a piece of shit. Like, you know, they're spilling their soul to me, like, kind of thing, and I'm not being honest, you know. Somebody would say a joke. Everybody would laugh, and all I wanted to do was cry. You know, it got to that point to where trying to express what it did to me, like, emotionally and spiritually, you know, I, I don't know if I have the words. You know, it's like, you know, I was still working the steps with my sponsor, I was still going to meetings with my friends. I was still having intimate conversations with my friends. I was doing all this sober stuff. I was essentially living a sober life completely, <laughs> but I wasn't sober. Yeah. And, it, you know, in each day, it got a little worse on the inside. And each day, it got a little bit harder, to be honest. You know, and the only solitude I found was that drinking by myself at night. And that didn't even solve it anymore like it used to the same way, right? Maybe, but you know what? Maybe it would help me not forget about it for a little while because I would pass out. And that was it. That is all I had to look forward to. You know, uh, I, I can't really describe, you know, how that made me feel. You know, I mean, all, by this time, all my friends are sober. You know, most of my friends I had before sobriety aren't there anymore. You know, and, and you know, it's like I wanted to have this sober life, but I was unwilling to do any of the work. You know, I wanted to have the sober life, but I just didn't want to be sober. You know, I, it, it brought me to my knees, you know. Uh, Did you actually fall to your knees one day? And yeah. You know, I remember I was sober for like out of that. And this happened, y'all, for about nine, like almost close to a year. You know, I was living, I was living a double life, mm. right? You know, I was essentially, I was trying to sponsor people even, you know. And <laughs> God, like, yeah, you can imagine how that made me feel. You know, it's like, uh, you know, don't drink, you know, it's like, yeah. God. What was that? I remember somebody said they smelled alcohol. Oh, well, you know, it's funny. Eating. It was Anthony. We were just talking yeah. about that last night. At, at Neckbreakers, huh? But yeah, he like I was the timekeeper <laughs> at Neckbreakers, and yeah. he goes, man, you smell like vodka, and that spooked me. Because yeah. I always would drink. Like, if I, I knew I was going to a meeting that night, I would drink in the morning. Yeah. And I would, like, try to be, like, okay, we're not drinking, right? And I always thought I timed it out really well. And he smelled it on me that night, and I remember, like, they, you take a break or whatever, and I just didn't go back to that seat to, uh, to keep time. He had to end up doing yeah. it. You know, he looked back. I'm just like standing in the back, and he God. comes up to me after. He's like, "Did you drink it?" No, and I denied it. Yeah, I remember. That's I remember. all I knew how to do. Deny, we, deny, deny. You brought it up the next night. I was like, "Dude, yeah. what are you talking about?" <laughs> you know, Mike brought it up. No, yeah. I, I denied it the entire yeah. time. And, and I was like, "Okay, I believe." Because you. I like, Dude, I, I was really in such liar. fear. Dude, that's one of your talents. No, well, that's not good. But anyway, <laughs> I, I the, my biggest fear was the day everyone found out the truth. Mm. You know, and every day that fear snowballed and got deeper. And, mm. you know, uh, my, my my whole plan was to go to the Caribbean. Tell everybody the day before I left. By the way, y'all, I've been drinking the whole time. Go to the Caribbean. Yeah. And you know, obviously I didn't make it to the Caribbean. I don't know how I thought I was going to get to the Caribbean. <laughs> but, you know, uh, somebody smelled it at work one day. Um, and, and another one another one of my friends brought me to the side. He said, hey, man, you've been drinking. First thing out of my mouth, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> you know, and... Breath about it. and I, you know, in that moment, I just couldn't do it anymore. Um, you know, I, I told him the truth. I said, yeah, I've been drinking. I've been drinking for a while. And it was all out. And, you know, I'd like to say I found some solace in that, but I did not. All I found in that moment was shame and guilt and just a lot of sadness. Um, you know, I remember, I remember Aunt, you know, a friend of mine telling me, you know, dude, like, and I remember I was like, you know, I'm gonna try, okay, I'll try to stay sober or whatever. You know, I don't, I don't need any treatment. It's gonna help. You know, I just gotta stay sober and do the work, whatever. And I remember a friend of mine telling me, dude, you like we've been doing this for about a year, right? And I was like, yeah. He's like, maybe you're not alcoholic. I was like, 
maybe you're right. <laughs> you know, yeah. and then just thing got everything got so much worse. You know, I remember yeah. my sponsor didn't know what to do. He said, "Hey, you know, I heard of this place in Arizona." And I said, "Arizona, dude, why am I gonna go to Arizona?" You know, I was actually I don't know how I was, but I was actually seeing a girl at this time. No idea how, but <laughs> I remember thinking like, "I just I keep seeing her, I'll be fine." You know, yeah. and that that lasted another day, but. <laughs> A month later, needless to say, I was on the way to Arizona, you know, so I, so I, and that was the uh, last time I drank was August 26th, 2015, you know, that's the day I got to Arizona, that's my sobriety date, um, wow. you know, and uh, so, so I get out there, and you know, I, I want to make it clear, you know, I didn't get out there, and all of a sudden, I was like some transformed person, I didn't move across the country, and all of a sudden, I was spiritual, or like, I had it all figured out, because I did not, you know, I got out there, um, and what, what, what did, what did you bring? myself oh yeah <laughs> so it, yeah, yeah no. that's what i was going with it's yeah no, no, right? I <laughs> and so well you know i was just it was me you know and uh but, it, but it's funny though, but like, i remember after being oh continue no, no i was gonna say sometimes geographics are are helpful you know if, what if you go it, with the right intention it gave me it, it changed my perspective a little it allowed me to see things a little differently from a way out there you know um i didn't have enablers mm-hmm. and, like i didn't know anybody out there right so like a huge thing for me was just enablers like i knew if i drank i would have some place to stay yeah. Or something like that, you know, um, and I didn't have anything like that out there, you know, and I remember even telling my counselor within the first few weeks, I even told him like out there, I said, you know, I, I really think the only reason I haven't drank yet was because I don't know anybody out here. And he looked at me and he said, so what? He said, are you sober? I said, yeah. He said, okay. Yeah. And, and you know, it, that's okay. You know, it, it, what matters is we're sober, you know, it doesn't matter how we get sober or even why we get sober, but you know, at some point we're going to have to take some action, right? Because, you know, I've tried other ways of doing it. I've tried doing it my way. You know, uh, for some reason, you know, for a while I could see that I was powerless over alcohol, right? And then there's that, that second part of the first step that talks about our lives being unmanageable. And I always thought I could manage my life, you know, uh, if I just got sober. But, I, you know, I could not, you know, on my own manage my life, you know. And I, and I really could. I finally was able to see that out there, um, you know. Um, and I guess really, like, what really allowed me to really do this thing was desperation and hopelessness. You know, for the very first time I experienced that desperation on a level I've never experienced it or that, that hopelessness right out there in the desert. You know, I, I I was out of options. I didn't know what to do. And that was good. You know, like looking back on all that, those lies I told and all that stuff I did for the previous year, like I'm so grateful for that now, you know, cause that got me to like, it got me to a state of submission. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and I got a sponsor, and he was uh, he was a really good sponsor. You know, he was all about helping others. Um, and he wanted to get me there as quick as possible. Um, you know, we, we went through the steps. I finally did an honest four-step. Um, you know, I finally got honest about things I'd never been honest about. And like I hear most people say, you know, it wasn't even that big a deal. Yeah. Well, could you uh, briefly explain what a four-step is? Just in case somebody's oh, no. listening. Yeah, well, yeah. Um, well, I mean, can I go back and just say what, you know, four step. All right. I don't want to skip the, I don't know why I skipped two and three, but anyway, four step, uh, well, yeah, four steps, uh, you know, we do an inventory of everybody that we have resentment against, you know, and now a lot of people get confused by that. Like, man, I don't piss anybody off. Like, dude, like, who are you pissed? Like, I'm not pissed off at anybody. Right. Like I'm okay with everybody. That's not true. We're human beings. You know, somebody, I get resentments daily. Yeah. Right. So I tell, you know, I usually tell my sponsors, write down everything that comes to your mind. Mm. You know, we'll go through it, you know? And so, so I wrote down all these people I had resentments against and why, 
you know, and, you know, then there's that last part where they're like, what God, what God had me do? I don't know, you know, and it's like, so we, we, we go through this, you get to the fifth step, and you go through all these resentments, and what you do is you see your part in every single one of them, mm-hmm. right? You know, I remember that first time I did that fourth step or that fifth step, I remember thinking I had a lot of relief because I'd finally gotten honest. You know, I was able to see some things clearly for the first time in my life that, you know, obvi- like things that were my fault that I was blaming others. You know, a lot of burden was almost lifted, right? Yeah. And, you know, I remember I did another uh, fist up a year and a half later uh, with my sponsor back here in Louisiana. And uh, I remember thinking, these are some good resentments. <laughs> like, I'm a, I'm a year and a half sober. Like, this resentment is a good one. My sponsor is going to agree with me. Uh, and, oh. like, yeah, we're going to, like, we're going to bash this guy together. My sponsor and I just talk shit about him, you know. And then, so we went through it, and I, I had a part to play in all of it. Yeah. You know, so after that second one, instead of feeling that relief, I felt like just kind of sh- kind of like a crappy person. Yeah. You know, I was like, dude, I'm like, I'm a year and a half sober, and I'm still doing some of the same things I used to do. Yeah, so you know some of my yeah my later fist steps were more painful. Yeah, and, it, and that's good. And, and I and, and I'd leave feeling like guilty or just kind of like dirty and like embarrassed almost. Right, right. But like I always say, those were usually the most the best ones. They the were the most helpful ones. Pain Cause, is growth because they're the ego reducers. You can quote me on that. All Use right, that. I'll write that down. <laughs> Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, but no, they I'll make are, sure to credit you when I use it. Pain is growth, Matt. It's almost L. like you really need that though in order to spiritually grow in sobriety. You need yeah. those moments where you realize you're not perfect. You mm-hmm. realize you know mm-hmm. that, that you know, and it, and you know, then you get on to like the the fears column, right? And you know, to give you an example of some of my fears that I like to give to my sponsors, you know, what my biggest fear of mine was, you know, what other people thought, you know. Uh, that my brother would never know, you know, how much I love him, you know, that uh, my parents would never know that, you know, stuff like intimate stuff like that, like fears, like they're really getting like in your soul. Right. And, you know, I remember had this sponsee. We get to his fear column and it goes in order. You know, this was his fear. Right. He said fire, <laughs> knives, boats <laughs> and <laughs> wild animals. And I'm thinking like, you know, that's good. Be fearful of those things. But this is what I mean. You know, it's more of an intimate thing it's like a healthy that. healthy fear, you know? boats, yeah, yeah, you know? Course. Wild animals, dude? <laughs> Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah, you got to uh, respect the wild animals. You animal. got to, dude. You, yeah. just gots, yeah. you don't want to be some dude on you don't a viral be video the, getting attacked by a Who got killed because raccoon. he was walking around in the woods. Yeah. It, <laughs> embarrassing. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, and um, and then and then really to go back to the second step real quick. And, you know, it, it says, uh, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. You know, and so what does that mean if I have to be restored to sanity? It, it means I'm insane. Mm. And, you know, I, and in all the insane things I've done time and time again, you know, I never really realized that, you know, that I needed, you know, something higher than myself, higher power, God, as I call it. You know, so to moving on, you know, we, you know, after the fifth step, you know, I did the the power hour, right? You know, it's like defects. And, uh, you know, I remember thinking like, okay, I'm going to like, I'm going to meditate. I didn't know what to do. So I remember like, I'm going to meditate away my defects for an hour. And mm. then after this hour, I'm going to be a better person. Healed. Right? Yeah, I'm healed. And then, you know, that has not been my experience with the sixth and seventh step, right? You know, I've heard it described in a lot of different ways. One of the ways I like it best described is like, you know, the sixth and the seventh step, your character defects are in that part of the steps for a reason. And they're in that part because the rest of the steps will help you work on your character defects, right? So on six and seven, we're going to get those character defects out. We're going to become aware of them. And then eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 will help us work on them. Mm. And that's a continuous lifelong thing. Like never at any point in my life will I not have any character defects. I've accepted that. You Did know, you, you're actually doing it wrong. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's okay. Yeah. 
No, you're right, actually. Oh. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> if, if, uh, if you need me to say that. I'm just no, I, I knew you were kidding. Okay, good. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, so then we get to the amends. And, man, was I, you know, I was fearful of those amends, right? You know, every time it seemed I got to the amends would be the point where I just quit the steps, you know. So I ended up flying back here to Louisiana. You know, and I made amends to all my friends and family that I'd lied to. All the, all the times I'd, you know, I'd lied to them, I'd stole, you know, all that. And I remember making amends to you, you know, in your house. And I remember, uh, like, I just got looked at you and you were like, what's up, dude? And I was like, nothing. What's up with you? Like, <laughs> you're like, dude, you got something to say? And like, we did it. And, uh, you know, I remember, like, I, t- I actually had texted my sponsor, like, telling him I had made the amends uh-huh. before I did. And oh. I told you that, like, I did that. And you were like, dude, you got it. And so I texted him. I was like, I didn't make the amends yet. And then I made the amends to you. And then I was like, I did. I made the amends. I remember now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, and I, I, like I said, I made amends. And I went back to Arizona. And, uh, you know, my, my, my sponsor had, you know, uh, had me doing those nightly inventories, which I did for about a year with him uh, every night or tried to every night. And, uh, you know, the uh, the steps all lead up to the 12th step, you know, and, uh, you know, I heard somebody last night say that the 12th step's 90% of your recovery, right? I mean, it's everybody's opinion what it is, but, you know, they all lead up to the 12th step, the most important step. You know, in the book, it says nothing will quite ensure sobriety or immunity from drinking like helping another alcoholic, right? So we get to that step, and my, my sponsor says, you know, start raising your hand at meetings, which, you know, I started to do, and that's all I did, right, when I would just raise my hand, you know, and I, yeah, yeah, maybe halfway <laughs> sometimes, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and that's all I do, you know, I was not, I, and I'm kind of ashamed to admit it, but, you know, I was not actively seeking people to help at this time, you know, uh, how I stayed sober for a year and a half, I don't know, it doesn't matter, but I did, you know, um, you know, I, I know at some point, you know, during all this, working the steps, my urge to drinking was gone, you know, which was crazy because I never really thought it would go away. You know, I remember the very first meeting I went to in that very first long-term treatment center here in New Orleans. Somebody mentioned the word vodka, and my mouth started watering. And I remember thinking, I'm never going to be comfortable in an AA meeting. I'm never going to not think about drinking in an AA meeting because every time somebody talks about drinking, my mouth's going to water. Gladly, you know, that, that yeah, was not the not, case, you yeah, know, I, so but I started I working some steps, thing too. Yeah. you know, and uh, I started, you know, I started having a, started having a, a spiritual experience, you know, and I'm not like the short burst of light version, you know, that I think some of us, all of us may have at times, you know, when our perspective has changed, you know, when we look at things differently, you know, those are all spiritual experiences in my opinion, but this one was the, the gradual one I'm talking about, when we're working the steps, when we're honest, when we're actively like, trying to progress spiritual that spiritual growth right um and so i start having this spiritual experience and i'm not even aware i'm having a spiritual experience at first right um you know a sponsor asked me the other day like how did you how'd you get all over that fear you know and uh i think about it you know and uh i don't think i really got over the fear you know uh, i don't think that fear is gone by any means you know uh but, you know, one day it's like I woke up and I realized, you know, man, it's not so hard to talk in front of these people. You know, one day I woke up and I realized I'm not thinking about drinking in a while, you know. And and, and like I say, I don't really notice it when it's happening. You know, what these steps have done for me or what they started to do for me was, you know, there's this part in the book. I believe it's page 27. Dr. Young was talking to a guy <laughs> in Europe. And, uh, you know, she he kind of says, is there no exception? Because he didn't want to get locked up or put under, like, house arrest or have a bodyguard and all that. And she said, well, yes. Here and there, every now and then, 
people like you, people like me, you know, have had what are called vital spiritual experiences. And she says, she goes on to say, can I go ahead? What? Nothing. She goes on to say, or he goes on to say, he or she, it could be either because it's a doctor. There you go. <laughs> goes on to say, goes on to say that, you know, uh, that perceptions, motives, and that, you know, all the things that were once the guiding forces of these people are suddenly kind of changed. That all these things they thought they knew were kind of cast to one side and a completely new set of conceptions begins to dominate them. And that really hit me. You know, I, I think that's one of the most accurate interpretations of a spiritual experience that was happening, like in my experience, right? So it's like all these fears I have, they're not gone, but they're kind of pushed to the side, right? They're kind of put off into the rearview mirror. And not even maybe, maybe the rearview mirror, if you want to call it that. And like working the step pulls up all this other stuff that I'm now focused on. And for the first time in my life, I'm not, this fear is not in the forefront of all my thoughts, right? Mm -hmm. Because working AA, working the steps, you know, it's, it changes my thinking. You know, it allows me to focus on all this stuff and the fear for the first time in my life is no longer over, you know, and it, but once I stop doing this stuff or when I slack on it, you know, that fear just comes right back. So, you know, it's in my experience, it's never really gone. Yeah. But doing this other stuff, the stuff that AA has taught me allows me to not dwell on, not yeah. to focus on it. Right. It becomes not the focus of my mind. Yeah. I mean, fear is a natural part of the human experience. It's, it came disappear. Even the animals. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You have to well, fear wild raccoons. You have to fear. I mean, like, if you don't have fear, you're just dead, you know, food chain-wise. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, so, so yeah, and, 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 and to go back to what I was talking about, you know, how I didn't want to sponsor, you know, I did not sponsor anybody in Arizona. You know, I think when I got back to Louisiana, I was like, yeah, sponsor people. Well, anyway, I got back to... You might have told me that. So no, I, got, I think yeah, you were honest with me. I got back to Louisiana because uh, I was offered a job. Um, a job I did not feel like I could pass out. You know, uh, somebody called me, said, "Hey, you, you want a job?" I said, "Yeah, man. You know, sure." And uh, this is after being in there. Also, if I'm being honest, you know, the main reason I moved back was because of a girl, um, who I was seeing, who lived back here in Louisiana. You know, and uh, uh and, and you know that that she flew into Phoenix. You know, we got in the car, packed everything up, and we drove back to Louisiana. And we took our time. It took about you know, six or seven days to make it back to Louisiana. And by the time we made it back to New Orleans, that relationship was over. Mm -hmm. You know, that wasn't happening, you know, and uh, that's okay. You know, and, and so I get back into Louisiana and, uh, you know, I say that's okay. And it was okay because when I got back to New Orleans, like all those friends I'd made previously were just right here waiting. You know, it, to talk about what the fellowship has done for me and my sobriety, you know, I, it was really hard for me to explain. Also, it's hard for me to talk about, you know, like they were just sitting here waiting. It was almost like I never left. It's almost like we picked off right where we left off. You know, um, I have this saying, it's becoming kind of uh, frequently used, I hear, oh, around New Orleans. You know, <laughs> it's catching fire. You know, and it's, uh, <laughs> you know, the uh, AA got me sober. The steps kept me sober, and the fellowship keeps me coming back. Oh, you know, wow. a girl made so a that's, ca that's catching fire. I believe so, right? Oh. That's what the that's oh, what I, I hear. That's the first time I hear it. You okay? Well, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, and I heard this girl in a meeting say the other day, you know, like if I hated AA, if I hated coming to AA, would I come back? I, I don't know. You know, I, I don't know if I would. You know, uh, and I and, and right now I'm having a blast. You know, so to get back on that sponsor or anything, I get back here. And I get the sponsor, and he, thank God he's very big on sponsorship, you know, and all his sponsees, you know, that's the one thing he instills in them. Sponsor, sponsor, sponsor. So, you know, I, I finally get a sponsee for the first time, and uh, 
you know, was it what I expected? I don't know, but I know it was much easier than I thought it was going to be, right? Because I remember thinking, you know, I don't have the sponsor. I don't have the sponsor manual. You know, I didn't read that. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, uh, what if they ask me a question, right? <laughs> what if they ask me a question, dude? Like, <laughs> that's what they do, right? And it's like, what if he asked me something? I don't want to ask. I just want him to sit there and like do what I tell him to do, you know. <laughs> and I, but you know, I, I'm an alcoholic, and right, that alone qualifies me to be. Well, I'm a sober alcoholic. Yeah, yeah. That alone qualifies me to be a sponsor, <laughs> right? You know, and uh, and that's all it is. And you know, I, I'm really just taking what my sponsor did with me and sharing it with somebody else. You know, uh, I'm not making up this stuff as I go. You know, people were around a lot longer before me doing this, and they'll be around a lot longer after. You mm. know, by no means am I the pinnacle of AA. You know, so it, it, looking at it that way, it made it much easier. You know, and it, and I have my own stuff here and there because I have my own experiences. You know, we all have. It's like our experiences all got us to the same place, but we all had our own experiences getting there, you know, and it has been great, you know, uh, watching some of these guys, like, lives change, you know. Um, you know, I just had a, a sponsee uh, talk to his daughter for the first time in over a year. You know, he made an amends to his daughter, and that that's, I cannot imagine, you know, I don't have a daughter of my own, I don't have any kids, you know, I cannot imagine, you know, not being able to talk to my daughter for a year, and then seeing her for the first time, you know, what that would do. And, and you know, it's truly, you know, truly been uh, been amazing, you know. And uh, I remember thinking, you know, when I got to AA, and this I feel like is very common, that I would have no fun, right? I'm going to get to AA, I'm going to be a lame you know, because that's what it seemed like. like. How could you have fun and not drink, you know? And, and here I am three and a half years in, and, and I'm, you know, I'm having a lot of fun, you know. And we do things that aren't just AA related, right? We do life stuff, you know, sober. You know, and it's much easier to do it with other sober people. You know, um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it wouldn't be you if you, if we didn't end this awkwardly. It's <laughs> not awkward. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're doing really good. Um, so let me ask you this: um, Are you uh, all right? So, uh, so we just well, I'll, I'll just hit you with the final question, which usually I give you a heads up on what I'm gonna ask. Um, I mean, it sounds like I am like dating someone. Yes, <laughs> is, that, is that not it? <laughs> Are you single? All the ladies want to know. <laughs> no, no, I'm not single. <laughs> um, no. So, um, I was trying, and I really every episode to me seems to end kind of like shit. Like I don't, we don't know what to say, so we just go okay. So I figured we'd start ending it with a question, and the question I feel is relevant uh, because. If I were to think, because you, you want to, hopefully somebody's listening to this and saying, who, no, hopefully not, <laughs> who's like, well, it's hopefully somebody who wants to stay sober, who wants to get sober is listening to this and maybe hearing your experience, which isn't, which is, you know, pretty, a pretty crazy experience. And, um, and I mean, if you're hearing just the first half of it, one might think this guy has no chance. Um, and I didn't. Right. Until they gave me that chance. And as you as you as you probably thought you didn't have a chance, right? No, absolutely not. So being standing here, sitting here doing a podcast, a very, very uh, prestigious. <laughs> I finish your sentences. However right? <laughs> many, however many, I was going to say very prestigious. Yes. Yeah, yeah he was. <laughs> however many years you have, how many you got now? Uh, four? Uh, I have almost four. Yeah. Four years. Yeah. Four years. Four sober. years sober. See, I'm finishing. Your sentence crazy. Again. Crazy. <laughs> <laughs> we are best friends. <laughs> <laughs> um, how does that happen, right? Uh, so, 
if you're if if you were to encounter yourself the guy who thought I'm I'm screwed, do more hallucinogens I'm no, fucked um, and maybe you know maybe encounter him and with a different face uh, but you're still you time traveling <laughs> uh, what would you what, what would be the one thing that you would like t- tell yourself um, maybe to give yourself hope or um, or just what 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 thing do you think would be the most important thing you could tell that person? Because I'm saying, imagine it's a new guy, right? What do we tell somebody who's new? What do you tell yourself when you're new? Hang in there. You know, I I don't know if I, I would have gotten sober if I hadn't gone through what I went through. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, you know, I feel like everyone everyone's path to getting sober is different, and I believe everyone has to go through what they have to go through to get there. You know, and it's different things we have to go through. And like I said, you know, it all leads us to the same place. Um, you know, and if I if I if I could even go back and tell myself back then like hey it's going to be like okay one day or something like that like i don't think past me would have even believed that mm-hmm. you know like this is truly what we, something like a, the fourth dimension right like this is something i don't think my past self could have even comprehended mm. right so i i don't know if there's really anything i could have gone back and told myself that would have changed like how i thought back then you know because my, 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 my thinking was so warped you know and so askew and uh you know, the, the the only reason, you know, I, I'm here today is because of AA and the 12 steps, you know, which, you know, I, I go I go to a lot of treatment centers and, you know, I love going to treatment centers to talk to them, you know, uh, especially my old treatment center. You know, I can see those guys sitting in those chairs because those are the chairs I used to sit in, you know, and uh, I really enjoy that a lot, you know, but, uh, you know, and, you know, I, I like to tell them that, you know, AA by no means is the only way to get sober. You know, we don't have a uh, patent on how to get sober. You know, we're not coming here, I'm not coming here to tell you how to get sober, you know, but I am here to tell you that I'm coming here on behalf of Alcoholics Anonymous because Alcoholics Anonymous is what worked for me, Mm. you know, and and after all the things I tried, all the things I did, Alcoholics Anonymous is the only thing that has kept me sober long term. You know, and I like to tell that to them because, you know, I don't know if that was related to anything we were just talking about. But Yeah, I mean, you're talking to somebody who's in the same position. You gotta, you know, experience what you're going to experience, you know, and, uh, you know, I, I like to tell the new, yeah, I tell this a lot to the, my, my newer sponsees, you know, I always say it's going to get better. You know, I feel like I say that way too much and, you know, some of them get to see that, you know, but not all of them do, hmm. you know, and that is the reality of it. You know, um, you know, you hear a lot of things like thrown around, like maybe he just hasn't experienced enough pain or, you know, maybe he's just not ready. And, you know, I, that's not for me to decide, you know, it never was, you know, even like, you know, I, I couldn't even get sober on my own, you know, and it's just, uh, I don't know, it's been a remarkable ride. All right. And uh, I'm truly honored <laughs> <laughs> that you had me on here, finally. Yeah, well, you, you know, know. I feel like I've arrived. I, wa- um, I wanted you to practice and, and, and get your story down perfectly. Okay. And I feel like you did that. Well, yeah, <laughs> you know, it was all right. But, um, <laughs> you know, I, you know, after this, I might not even need to do it anymore. You know, I think I'm cured. Yeah, thanks to this. And well, that's uh, usually what happens. You know, what do they do. say? They say once you do recovery, friends, you don't need recovery anymore. You're or good. friends. <laughs> or friends, <laughs> yeah. Like, I'll see you sometime. Yeah, you can just <laughs> listen to soon. your own episode for the rest of your life. Oh, uh, well, we already know I'm going to be like doing that. that bright and early tomorrow morning. <laughs> yeah, dude, I need, I need like, because I, I'll obsessively look at the uh, clicks on it. So I need you to like make the, make the clicks go up for me. 
Not only will I be listening to it, but I'll be telling other people to listen to it. <laughs> All right. No, anyway, jokes aside, man, thank you. Uh, I'm very happy to have you in my life today, bro. Thank you, my friend. My friend. Thank <laughs> you.